Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table, where in every episode, I try to interview somebody who is doing something cool in the world of business and entrepreneurship. And sometimes we talk to solopreneurs, sometimes we talk to entrepreneurs with growing ventures, business leaders of really large companies, and sometimes just people who have a job, but they have a real extra dose of that entrepreneurial spirit. I never know where the conversations are going to go, but it's always awesome. And I have learned so much from all the people who have come along over recent time and been part of this show. So before we get started, I've got to thank, I've got to thank one of the sponsors of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Open Sky Fitness. Now, if you want to listen to a great podcast, I would go and download Open Sky Fitness Podcast because Rob from Open Sky Fitness does really good things. If you're an entrepreneur and you're feeling maybe you got to push yourself away from the desk a little bit, maybe you've got to pay a little bit much more time to your fitness. Rob has some great programs, both online and if you happen to live in the Los Angeles area, live and in person. He is an amazing fitness coach. So jump over to OpenSkyFitness.com and learn about all the offerings that Rob has because I think one of the things we struggle with when we're working so hard is really paying attention to our nutrition and working out. And Rob has a really good way of relating to entrepreneurs and helping them get started. So today's show I'm really excited about. A few months ago, I was the uh, uh, master of ceremonies or sort of the facilitator at an event in New Orleans, and there was an awards dinner attached to it that night, and I got to sit at one of the VIP tables. And one of the people who was sponsoring that banquet was Randy Pakowski, and he is from the Expo Group. He's the president and COO, and it's a 25-year-old family business. And what they do is they work in the trade show space. So they work with bringing buyers and sellers together, doing the logistics and producing those trade shows. Sometimes if you don't work in the meetings industry, you'd have no idea of everything that goes on behind the scenes. And the Expo Group is awesome at what they do. And I had a great conversation with Randy. I've actually known him for a while. But what I thought was interesting is the company's going through a a transition. Randy is stepping up and and sort of working more and more, taking over the family business. And I thought this was really something that we don't think about a lot in entrepreneurships is how do we transition out of that business? Who takes it over and what happens? So I invited Randy to come on today and we're going to talk a little bit about working in a family business and being that second generation entrepreneur. Hey, Randy, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for allowing me to be here. Hey, so tell us a little bit more about your business. I I never feel I do justice when I describe what people do. What is the Expo Group and why are you guys so great? We did a pretty good job of it, but uh, it's exactly that. The the trade show industry is is still the number one marketplace for B2B business to take place, um, face-to-face meetings. And so we are we are just a major supplier uh, in that industry and allowing the show organizers who bring those buyers and sellers together to basically help them set up the show, let it operate, and then we tear it all down. So it's a very project-based company. Um, it's very rewarding in the sense of no two projects are ever the, ever the same. Uh, and in each city that we do across the United States is always a different set of challenges. 
So your dad was kind of a sort of a pioneer in this business, kind of a, a legend in what he has done. How did he get? How did your dad get started in the business? So his background was uh, working for the largest market shareholder uh, vendor at that time, and he was seeing that how the service model was being done at that time was was very fragmented on on how much the exhibitors had to do and how they had to interact with all the different vendors. And so at that time, he went to his current vendor and went to the CEO and said, hey, we have this, I have this idea about a new way of doing business. And, and we referred to that as our trademark of single source, how we were able to streamline and reduce the fragmentation of the exhibitor ordering process in the trade show industry. And so with that, obviously, any entrepreneur um, I think every time they, they hear the question, no, that only just challenges them even more. <laughs> and so he felt at that point in time that it couldn't be implemented in with his current employer. So he, he took a leap of faith and, and, and uh, went on business on his own and, and founded the Expo Group. So that's so funny because I hear that from so many people I interview is how did you get into the business that you're in? And it's like, well, I tried to do it at the company I was at and they thought it was a stupid idea. So I went out and started on my own and, and grew this giant, this giant business. So that's, that's fantastic. So did you grow up thinking, yeah, I'm going to go straight to work for dad. Is that what you always thought you'd do? Or did you take a different path? Uh, I, I took a little bit different path. And I think for any family business, it's it's always a question, do you want to call dad boss? And, you know, what <laughs> what does that look like uh, in going forward? Um, so early on, I, I had some larger company experience with MetLife Healthcare and Delta Airlines. And I, I was, I'm a Gen Xer. And so I'm, I'm a traditionalist in a sense. And I, I still believed in if you work hard and you put in your time, you know, the company will take care of you. Um, so I was looking for that big company experience. Um, but while I was doing that after graduating college and, and looking for my, my career, uh, I did have an opportunity to do some project-based work at the company. And, and, and of all places, it was in the accounting department, who was also HR, who was also IT. At that time, we were, they were, the company was a smaller than and uh, I found that work to be very rewarding in the sense of the the size of the contribution that you can make in an organization. So I realized early on that it wasn't the size of the company that was important to me. It was more the size of the contribution. And so at that point, uh, I went on. Uh, we, we set out a pretty good path as far as the developmental path of, of working in different departments and, and growing within that. And so I got, I worked, I, I always wanted to be a manager. And so I, I worked really hard throughout the company to, to gain those skills and earn those skills to get into management. You know, it's interesting because I'm also a Gen Xer, although I'm on the very top of it. I'm a little bit older than you, but I'm on the very top of Gen X. And it is true. We kind of were given this this promise of of what the careers were supposed to be. And I was laughing when you were talking about that because for so many of our peers, you know, the companies didn't live up to that promise, right? We went to work for these big companies thinking that if we did good work, we would advance. And they, they sort of changed the game on us. I mean, the corporations, people say, oh, people have no loyalty. Well, I witnessed it at a time when companies stopped having loyalty. So some of these big companies and that promise we all believed in, you know, the, the, the ground got shaky under a lot of people. So you made this move. How many years ago did you come over and join, join the family business? So I've been at the company now 22 years. Okay. So when you first got there, was there any animosity? I mean, I think that's one of the things when you have an existing company with employees, uh-oh, you know, Randy's here now. I mean, was there any of that inside the company? Did you have to prove yourself? 
Uh, absolutely. But I think the most animosity was probably between my father and myself. Um, and, and that was, it was a good thing. Uh, so don't get me wrong here, but it was the fact that, uh, he, he knew that I was going to, he was going to put more pressure on me and I would have to work twice as hard. So I, I didn't get the corner office and I didn't get the big salary. I was actually pull it, paid below market. Uh, that's where some of that animosity came in. And so, <laughs> you know, I had to prove myself early on, and, and obviously that paid dividends over time. Um, I think also paid dividends too early, early in our, in our, in our family history career. When I started coming on board and moving up, we hired a family business consultant and that was really beneficial for us to better establish boundaries between the business and the family. So that's really interesting because I know I, I met your lovely wife when we were at dinner. And one of the things that, that she said, I think you had gone off somewhere to talk to somebody. She said that you do a really good job, you and your dad, at sort of drawing those lines between, hey, we're at Christmas dinner and, hey, we're in the office and there's an issue we have to deal with. That that you don't have that bleed over so much that I think happens in a lot of family businesses. Is that something that you guys had to work at? Yes, and that's where our family business consultant came in, and, and he started explaining to us that there's business governance, and then there's family governance, and then really there's the family business governance. So all three of those circles uh, overlap, and depending on how many family members are working in that organization, you could have them in, in different quadrants of that or different sectors of that circle. Um so yeah, so we established early on just ground rules that when we're at family events, that they're family events and that, that we didn't talk business. And if we had a hard day at the office and we might have had a disagreement and things like that, and we had to show up at a birthday party right <laughs> after work, that you know we, we were there to celebrate that birthday party. And, and so we've been very good about being able to do that because we created those forums for when we talk about those things and when we don't talk about those. Now you have you have other matters. you have other siblings. Are there other family members involved with the company, and and how does that breakdown work as people have sort of higher or level higher or lower different roles and different levels of, of participation? So I am the oldest of three. Um, the two two other uh, my siblings do not uh, work in the business, um, but part of our succession planning is, is again, Ray, my father made, made the career of creating a legacy and that, that we, that we wanted to succeed the company for, for generations. And so part of that is, is bringing up those non-working uh, members of, of that uh, kind of in the family business world, this, this section or this, this uh, cycle is referred to as the sibling partnership. The first section is re referred to as a controlling owner. It's typically an entrepreneur who starts that, and you know they're basically the one small small number of ownership and control. But as that shifts into the sibling partnerships, um, even though I work here at the business, um, I'm employed here. I'm also a family member and would be a shareholder, is much like they would be. So I, I'm having new shareholders coming into play down the road that we're working to educate on the business to understand, to inform them on how to make um, executive business owner decisions, even though they don't work in the business. So now that you've been doing this for so long, what do you love about the fact that you transitioned into the family business and have worked side by side for two decades with your dad? What do you, what do you love about it? I love the fact that every day is is a challenge, and in a growing business, that's somewhat of a blessing, and we've been very blessed. And 
I, I love to be able to solve problems and, and lead people and, and, and just watch the development of the company and the development of our team uh, and also the satisfaction that we get uh, in, in servicing our customers and seeing that the rewards that they have of having a successful event uh, because their events are so important to their organization as far as a number one economic driver for their, their organization. So are there ever any days, though, that you don't love it as much? Are there days when you look back and think, wait a minute, Delta Airlines, I could have stayed there. That could have been awesome if mm -hmm. I had built a career there. What was I thinking? Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, my father has been uh, and a tremendous mentor to myself. Uh, he's been a tremendous visionary, and I, I, I've continued to learn from him as well. But we are two different people. And we've had to learn to adjust to each other's uh, style and, and behavior, you know, as, as, as we've continued to lead the company in, in different directions. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I've always, you always got to respect who the visionary is and who, and who the founding father. And, and that's one of the things that I learned early on. And I, and I think I shared this analogy with you before as somebody who's always like, you know, what's it like working with your father? And I've, I've described it in this analogy. If you just envision walking down a, a dark tunnel, I can look to my father and he can say, look, I see a pinhole of light. This is the direction that we need to go. I could look down that same direction. I can see nothing but pitch black and I would trust in him and we would continue to walk side by side. And, and as we go along, if I still don't see that pinhole of light or if the light's not getting bigger, it's my job to question that and say, okay, maybe this is not the right direction and so forth. And so that's how we've been able to work very well as a team um, to get to the company to the point that it's at. So, so I think that's awesome that you can work so closely and that you can respect each other, especially because as the father of, of two teenagers, well, a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old, you know, as I see them just in the early stages of growing into young adulthood, you know, I, it's hard to let go and let them do that. So, I mean, kudos to your dad that he takes your counsel along the way, because sometimes you always see him as, you know, you're the kid who spilled the Cheerios. Yeah, I would tell you that the transition was a four-year process. And so two years of it in a small executive group, non-public, meaning not outside the company. And then, and then the last two years were, were public uh, involving more people in the company and, and, and outside you know, the industry. But those first two years were definitely probably the hardest uh, with the exception of navigating a company through the deep, uh, great recession. That was probably one of the hardest and, and most rewarding in the sense of, of navigating a company successfully through those times. But the second one was going through those early years of transition. I think you, you said it exactly right, is that the founder, the entrepreneur has to go through their own set of journeys to be able to release and, and let go. And of those first two years, the first year was the hardest because it was, it was the test. It was um, it was uh, about letting go of control. It was it was about making sure that everything was in its place to be able to step back to make sure that nothing would would go wrong. And so those were difficult times to get through those things. But once an, an entrepreneur founder goes through that journey and begins to let go, and then allowing the team that he has in place and the successor to carry out the vision, it's, it's quite rewarding. And, and that's where we're at. So we're in, we're in the final year of a four-year plan. That's, that's nice. Well, 
you brought something up about sort of you're you're a growing company, although you're you know a 25 year old company and you're still a growth oriented company. And and I I observe and and am involved in the meetings business and the trade show business. And your company has a great reputation, and you are growing and you are you know gaining more market share and doing things like that. But we are just a few years out of that great recession, as you said, and you guys navigated. I mean, a lot of people in the meetings business in all of our verticals, speakers and hotels and uh, K and people who do the type of work that you do and other consultants. And a lot of people went out of business. I mean, it was it was hard in the meetings business with the recession going on. What were some of the things that you guys did as a family to continue to be a growth-oriented company during and then after the recession? During the recession, we, we, we depended a lot on our culture. Uh, we've been blessed enough to have such a strong, uh, even though we're a family-owned company, we have a very family and faith-based culture. And we counted on that during those tough times. We also counted on the business that we have, meaning with our sales backlog, meaning a lot of these shows are contracted for years and years out and ahead of time. So we benefited from having that sales backlog to, to get us through there and then deal with the more of the shorter sales cycle uh, segments that we're canceling and reducing and so forth. But yeah, you know, I think everybody's, you know, everybody walked into 2009 and the two, end of 2009, 2010 with, with all of their budgets uh, cut in, 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 in close to half or 25%. Mm-hmm. And so you had to, to, to think differently and operate differently. And, and from that point, we all looked at each other and said, we, we never want to be able to be in this situation. And so strategically, we, we looked for diversification. We looked for ways to minimize the, the amount of debt we carry and so forth so we can better navigate that. So we're probably the strongest that we've ever been uh, in our company life. So if someone's listening to this episode and they are a family member of somebody, maybe a child or a niece or a nephew or a grandchild of someone who owns a, an ongoing venture, an ongoing business, and they're thinking about making that transition from the career they're in to moving into that family business and maybe maybe taking it over one day and being part of a transition like you mentioned, what advice do you have for somebody before they take that leap? I would talk to somebody who, like myself, or maybe another uh, company that they're familiar with of, of what it's like. Um, I would, I, I would think that some heart-to-heart conversations with you know the owner, the dad, the father, the uncle um, are important to have in the beginning. And and we and my father and I, we did sit down and we we had those tough conversations at the beginning. I, I remember like I shared with you one of them in the beginning of where, Hey, I'm going to pay you below market. And that's, that's not because you're not worth it or whatever, but that's what I'm going to do because that's what he felt was important for me to, to earn the respect and gain the respect of others down the road. Um, so I think laying those groundworks out is important. Um, then the other one is I would, there's, there's a lot of family business uh, seminars and, and workshops uh, both me and my father have attended those together. We've also attended them as a family, and they've been incredibly insightful when you can talk to another generation. Like we had an opportunity to talk to the Bush Beans family. Okay, we're their fifth generation family <laughs> owned. So to hear their story and to hear and to learn from the things that they did, you know, differently and and was was in, in quite inspiring. And and we brought some of those things into our company, learning from their. Um, successes and and failures. 
Yeah, and I can't remember his first name, but I actually know one of the the cousins in that family. I haven't seen him in years, but really nice family, and so I think that they were probably very helpful in 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 the line of uh, of being able to share because I know they've been through their ups and downs with the family business. So that that's good going to people who've actually been through what you, what you're going through. Um, mm-hmm. I got a couple more questions for you before I can let you go, but first I have to thank the other sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right training, equipment, and guidance so that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool people like Randy Pakowski. Hey, if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So Randy, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What are the coolest things you're doing at the Expo Group right now? Wow. Uh, A number of things, I would say, is our industry, like many industries, is is changing. And the challenge that event organizers have right now is to deliver that content and to deliver that face-to-face experience. Um, So it no longer is it it that boring trade show uh, that maybe their father went to, but it's a live experience. And talking with our customers and, and, and bringing those ideas and, and applying their objectives to the meeting uh, makes it a much broader and more rewarding conversation just on, than a logistical one. Um, so really carrying out our mission of helping people perform at a higher level is, is really what's the most rewarding thing that we're doing right now. Yeah, that's great. Hey, so... I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do because I think entrepreneurs do a lot of cool things in their businesses. But I also think that entrepreneurs are observers. And I love to ask the people who come on this show, who do you admire out there? Maybe it's not some maybe, – maybe it's your dad. I don't know. Who is it that you admire out there where you say, now there's someone who's doing something cool? Well, I, I think – I don't think anybody in business right now can help but think about the Amazon effect. And to think about 15, 17 years ago when they first came out and and here they are, an online bookseller, to <laughs> think about where they're at today and how they're disrupting the market. Um, I, so I, I had that from an observer standpoint to watch what they have done uh, in the retail market. Um, but as from a personal mentor, observer and so forth, you know, that's been that's been my father, um, you know, He's never started another company. This is the only company that he's ever started, and 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 but it didn't have it didn't go without its failures and and without his successes. And and be able to be side by side with him to learn from those and to prevent those from the future has been probably the greatest mentorship I could have had. I think that's I think that's great. And as like I said, as, as a father, you know, I think God, what an experience he must have had getting to work with one of his kids for twenty years in that in that type of fashion. So I think that's great. And I think it's great that you know you said it earlier. You're two very different people, but you're able to respect and take counsel from one another. And you know, I think whether you're related or not, if you can do that with the people who you work with, if you can be respectful and learn from them, and let the visionary be the visionary. But then if that visionary will take counsel from, you know, his right-hand person, 
I, I think everybody wins. So I think that's a, a, an admirable trait. And I'll tell you, you know, as we've had this conversation, you know, I just keep thinking about how many people out there are connected to family businesses where this is a really important topic. So I think what we've talked about today is 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 important for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people who are my regular listeners are going to forward this episode to their buddy who works for their dad or is thinking about working for their dad because or mom or cousin or aunt. Because I think what we've talked about is is a really valuable set of information. So the last question I ask everybody who comes on the show is what do you do to give back to the greater good? Because I think as entrepreneurs, we want to do more than just make money. I think people want to change the world, and it's more than just your business. So so what do you or your company do to, to serve that greater good? So we have um, about five to six uh, charities that, that we have uh, focused in on uh, as a company. Uh, not only as ownership, but also in participation with for for the family uh, or for the employees here at the company to get involved with, and a lot of them are centered around the family um, and helping out the families in need uh, from a variety of different ways, uh, from from an abusive perspective, from a homeless perspective to a, a redevelopment perspective. Um, so that's really been our focus. And there's so many great charities out there and so many things to give back. But, you know, we kind of we kind of picked one that was close to what our culture represented. Uh, and and we, we do things, uh, a number of things with them through uh, in-kind, through uh, active involvement from, from our employees and, and, and participating in their fundraisers and a number of things. So. It's so, that, that is definitely uh, a part of the job that's rewarding as well. And it's so amazing when you pick a cause and pick a, a, a charitable institution or organization, and you can do these seemingly little things over years. I actually have come up with a term that I call compounded generosity, much like compounded interest. If you start saving for retirement early, it's going to go a lot better in the long run than if you start saving at 50. And same thing is true with generosity. If you start early in your career or your company's life cycle and you just do little things, you, you give time, money, or support to these causes that matter to you, you look back 10 years later and go, oh my gosh, how were we able to give that many man hours or raise that much money? And so I think when you do that, I think the benefits add up over time. So I think, you know, cheers to you guys for having a cause that's near and dear to your hearts. Tom, if I could add just one closing comment sure. on your your previous question there about, you know, how great it's been for my father and I to be able to respect each other's differences and so forth. Um, I want to say that, that that was a lot of hard work and, and, it, and it involved an outside counselor, meaning our family business counselor. And it really, the first step we took or the counselor took was he had us tested pro, for a profile and he explained to us the difference in, in how when, when I react to certain things, how he would react to certain things. So it was definitely kind of an executive coaching perspective. So that's another source for anybody interested about getting into this business to kind of go through that conversation, which was incredibly helpful. Well, no, I think, I think you're right. And I think you guys did it right. I think that's the reason you guys have been so successful. And it's, you know, it's well known as you do this transition, it's well known within the industry that you guys are doing a good job of it. And your dad is certainly extremely admired in the industry, but so are you. So, I mean, that's a, that's a big thing. Sometimes the next generation comes along and people roll their eyes. I think you guys have done a good job of, of mapping out this transition and, and doing it with respect, I'm sure inside your company, but I know it's true outside your company. And I'll tell you, I've never met a person 
who works for the Expo Group, who wasn't a really nice person. So you guys have done something right in the culture that you've created. So, hey, Randy, thank you for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I really appreciate you sort of sharing your your journey. I think it's a unique uh, interview compared to a lot of the people I've had on in the past 304 episodes. Uh, I think that you share a unique perspective, and I think it's a perspective that people are going to share this episode because I think it does matter to a, a big cross-section of people out there in business. So thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, and if somebody's listening to this and they need to find out more, maybe they are, they're in that family business issue, uh, maybe they're in the meetings business and they don't know about the expert group and they want to learn about it, uh, how do people find you? Obviously, they can just go to theexpogroup.com uh, and uh, my contact information is on our website and uh, we'll be happy to continue talking with you. Awesome. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every episode, if it wasn't for the audience, pfft, we wouldn't have a show. So please, if you enjoy cool things entrepreneurs do, jump over to iTunes and leave a review. It always makes my day better when we get a new review of somebody saying they like the show and tell your friends about it. The only way this show can grow is if, if you talk about it because I can talk it all day long, but all my friends know I do this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Cool Podcast. You can jump onto our Facebook page, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and you can always join my group coaching program, the Potential Mastermind Group at PotentialMastermind.com. Hey, I'm going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Randy. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>